Good evening and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 7-21-2017. My name is Jan Johnson. I'm a CASA board member and with me is Alex Clark, the executive director of CASA. Good evening, Alex. How are you this week? I was doing great until like a few hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then I won't ask what's new and exciting this week. I'll just let you get right to it. (laughs) And everything became new and exciting. Just... (laughs) <laughs> so today, Friday, is, I mean, on top of all the other big news that's happening in D.C., um, the, the vaping world got some, we got like a few things of bad news today. Right. Um, so, and I'm going to end on a high note, so let's just get all this garbage out of the way first. All right. Um, first of all, uh, the, uh, the judge in the uh, right to be smoke-free Nicopure versus FDA lawsuit has ruled against us in uh, our motion for sub- summary judgment. I, I'm using our loosely here. Uh, there, they, as in Nicopure Labs and the right to be smoke-free coalition. Um, and I, people are, are going over this decision uh, carefully, uh, there's some early kind of analysis out there. Um, but suffice it to say, uh, the judges ruled in favor of the FDA. Um, next steps of course may involve appeal may not. I, I don't, it's too early. This just came out today. So, um, don't really know, but that's, that's the bad news. And, you know, to be perfectly blunt about it, you know, this isn't this isn't the most unexpected thing to happen and sure. you know it, it's the the devil's in the details here so um uh, i i am not a lawyer uh i have not read the entire thing so even if i do i can't you know I really can't comment that, yeah i can't say that i'm gonna come up with any wonderful analysis of this but um i believe you know the folks at keller and heckman and um, and, uh, and, and people with Nick up here are, are looking, uh-huh. looking this over and, uh, trying to figure out what next steps are. So, okay. um, that's that, that's the, the crappiest news. I probably have the least amount to say about, um, so it's in the hands of the professionals now and we wait for their analysis. Yeah. I, and okay. I expect, I expect we'll see things pretty soon because, you know, there's, there is the range of, of understanding what the implications of this are for the vaping community. So okay. um, I, I know that people will want to get something out quickly before everybody descends into panic. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, like I said, this, this was not unexpected and mm-hmm. that's why there are multiple, multiple strategies at work here. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, one, we're, we're dealing with a, a I forget, I, I don't know if, if, if a furniture analogy is the best because usually <laughs> once you lose a leg of furniture, it tends to slump and fall over. Um, but, you know, the idea here is that just because one, one piece falls, it doesn't, it doesn't take the entire team out of the game. Um, or whatever. Um, or, or a better analogy is we're a willow tree, not an oak. Things come at us and the wind comes at us and we bend, but we don't break. I like that. That's beautiful. 
<laughs> we're gonna go with that all right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh more to come on that decision and i'm sure we'll talk about that next week and okay. and possibly be putting something out on our website awesome. um the other court decision that came out today was in the um the lawsuit that we uh were, were co-plaintiffs on with the competitive enterprise institute and this was um about uh allowing this was the dot's regulation prohibiting vaping on airplanes um and there are a lot of people out there who have sort of looked at this and said that's that's such a waste of time for you know for any advocacy organization to be involved in this uh, of course we don't want to vape on planes and and whatnot but right. first of all at the core of this issue is the fact that this this isn't the department of transportation's this really isn't their call to make sure um you know, this is this is something that is is based on, um, you know, Congress made the decision, you know, 30 years ago to prohibit vaping on on commercial flights, and uh, or actually, I believe all flights, right? Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, what this is is it, it's it's an expansion of the definition of smoking to include vaping without actually changing the statute. Right. And uh, the court has decided to uh, rule in favor of the Department of Transportation. Uh, there is, in the opinion, um, it lists uh, the dissenting opinion from Judge Ginsburg. And um, I recommend everybody read that. Um, okay. I'm, I'm going to drop the link in our in our chat so we can provide that okay. later. Wow, that's a ridiculous link. Right. God, I didn't realize it was that big. Um, that's okay. So I'll find. We'll, we'll shorten it somehow. Yeah, we'll <laughs> okay. hyper. We'll hypertext that if that's possible or whatever. Um, so, yeah, you know, and there's a lot of discussion. You know, a lot. A lot of this has to do with you know what what is people's understanding of smoking and and how does that you know relate to you know what. What, what was the understanding back in 1987 and what's, you know, how has that evolved now? And, and the, one of the things that kind of briefly stuck out to me was the fact that, um, you know, that people's understanding of smoking is not also to include vaping because mm -hmm. if, if, if it was, then airlines wouldn't have to have added language to their announcement saying no smoking on flights. And this includes electronic cigarettes. Right. Um, just about every announcement I've ever heard includes that addition. So, um, you know, it, it, it is clear that there is a misunderstanding. There's there's a difference in in opinion as far as what smoking means among right. passengers. Um, and then, of course, you know, the the really kind of dangerous thing about this is that on you know one this 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 validates um, this misunderstanding of smoking and vaping and, and right. treating it as the same dangerous activity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and that, you know, it, it, I think we would be naive to think that, that company policies or uh, you know, certainly laws 
don't have some effect on the public's understanding of, of risks and whatever product you're talking about. It's, it's called structural communication. Okay. And uh, so, you know, this, this ruling by the court sort of, you know, further solidifies that validates that, um, that lie that vaping and smoking are the same. Okay. The other thing, the point number two here is that um, this, takes the power away from airlines to adapt and evolve their policies. It's not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that in the future, an airline might like to provide vaping friendly service to their passengers. And, uh, you know, whether that means a vaping section or some sort of, you know, instructions to vaping passengers, Hey, you know, it's okay if you vape, just be discreet, you know, do that thing that people do already, which is hold your <laughs> breath and make sure you're not blowing out huge plumes of vapor. Um, and I can guarantee you, despite this ruling, that will continue to happen. Uh, and just that, you know, people who do that should not be subject to excessive criminal penalties for quote unquote smoking on a plane. Um, and so, and I, I got to tell you, you know, if this, you know, they sell in, 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 in the food court, in whatever terminal you're in, I guarantee you, you can find some salad or wrapper or sandwich that's, you know, pretty heavy on the garlic right. or onions or whatever seasoning. And somebody opens that up on a plane and it just invades everything. I find that to be particularly annoying. Um, and of course there's not necessarily a perception of risk there, but it does make me uncomfortable. And well, I mean, talking... it should. They don't recycle the air like they used to either. So that really makes sense. Very invasive. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think was brought up in, in, in arguments for this was that, you know, seeing a visible vapor or smoke might cause people stress and discomfort, you know, because they don't understand that it's not harming them. Um, right. Or they, you know, they think it's harming them or whatever, but you know, it's to me that that also gets into that area of smells and and odors that are unpleasant. I mean, right. it, it's it's the same. It, it's close. It's not the same thing, but you know, I, I just right. I, I'm making a silly argument here. But no, you you really <laughs> you you really aren't. But I mean, it also comes down to had they said it was due to something like battery safety or you know what i mean that would have been far more reasonable than this argument that this equals smoking and that's not the argument they made that's not the argument they made at all the argument was that people might get confused am i correct it, it's that you know it, that you would cause stress and discomfort to passengers and it's you know and possibly panic um, and, and I understand huh. that I, I do. I mean, you know, we have plenty of people out there who have, you know, you have asthmatics who have sort of a, I believe it is a psychosomatic reaction to mm -hmm. seeing someone vaping around them. It's not right. that they are, you know, they are not actually being affected by the vapor, but they are in some sort of physical distress because it's they're they're essentially their, their asthma is being triggered by the sight of someone vaping. Mm -hmm. Um, so that that is certainly a possibility, but you know the suggested solution to that is instructing 
passengers who want to vape to do it discreetly. It's not impossible. And, you know, like I said, it's already happening. I, I'm, you know, I know, I know it's happening. I mean, <laughs> I've been on flights and I smell, so I don't see the vapor, but I can smell the blueberry, you know, that's, mm -hmm. you know, maybe that's coming from somebody's chewing gum. I don't know, but it's still, it, that's not an uncommon smell at a vape event. So, uh, you know, it, it's, there are ways to make it easier for people to, to, to take care of themselves on a long flight than to, um, lie to them. <laughs> I guess is probably the best way to put that. Well, I mean, I, I think it's completely, I think it's completely unfair. I really do. Um, like I said, they didn't even make a, a decent real case for it. And it's just. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, because this is coming from DOT, this extends to private um, flights. Not that any, not that, not that you or I are going to be hopping on a private jet to anywhere soon. It's just <laughs> that, you know, or the, you know, the average, the average American is not going to fly oh, on a private sure we jet. Are, Alex. We're going to, we're going to take our big tobacco money and take our private jets and fly off and have a great time. Right. I mean, <laughs> I do have to pick up my handcrafted Ferrari, uh, so, uh, but you know, this is, you know, it, a, a private a private flight is, is, yeah, you know, somebody concern. might not have a problem with it. You have like five people sitting in a small jet, you know, if a couple of them want to vape, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, but, uh, this, you know, now makes, makes, uh, makes that totally. illegal. Totally. So yeah, the, you know, the core of this is about agency, you know, regulatory overreach by an agency that should not be making this rule. Um, Absolutely. and, and, uh, and we can, you know, layer on top of this, all of the, the miscommunication and lies and, um, you know, distortion of science that we want. Um, but, uh, you know, this was, this was part of the reason why we got involved was that this was another example of regulatory overreach and, and you have to push back on this. We just, we had to. Um, and, and so, uh, I'm not sure what comes next. Uh, again, this just came out today. So, um, you know, there's no, there's no solid talk of appeal or, or just letting it go or anything like that, but right. um, there are potentially next steps. And so we'll leave that to the experts with law degrees. Good to me. <laughs> the next piece of bad news moving right along. Um, <laughs> uh, governor, New Jersey governor, Chris Christie signed a tobacco 21 bill into law today i can't even <laughs> it is shocking and actually you know i spoke to one of the the trade association people in new jersey and he said uh you know even their lobbyists didn't see this coming all indications pointed to him vetoing this again uh he vetoed a similar bill last year in january and I believe he was actually quoted as saying that this is a decision best left, left, best left up to local governments mm -hmm. um, and that the state was not going to take action. Of course, in that, in that time, many more local governments have adopted Tobacco 21 policies. So, um, right. you know, it really is in New Jersey, like Massachusetts, it's really just kind of a matter of time before uh, the entire state is Tobacco 21. <laughs> Oops. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, at, at a certain point that just becomes 
state law. So right. it doesn't magically become a state law. It's just there's enough support for it that the legislature adopts it. Yeah. <sighs> so, you know, and I'm kind of working on our, I'm, I'm, these are three different things, that, you know, statements that I'm working on okay. tonight tonight um <laughs> damn it um you know one of the things I, I read an article in uh the new jersey patch um about uh you know chris christie's mother i believe died uh from you know smoking related illness mm -hmm. and so you know like most of us, uh, we, he, Chris Christie has a, a loved one who died early because of, and, and probably painfully, uh, because of smoking. And, you know, it's, it is a very emotional debate because of that, because of the fact that we all have friends and loved ones who, who, who died painfully and, and prematurely. And I, I get that. But, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like that being tough on crime attitude that a lot of people have that, you know, we want revenge. We want, we want to take our anger out on somebody. Right. And a lot of these restrictive tobacco control laws are, are just like that. Instead of working to understand and empower people and give them more tools and more access to those tools, right. these policies are simply lashing out at, at the tobacco companies and saying, we're going to, you know, we're going to hit you in the wallet. But, um, it's, but it's not just lashing out at the tobacco companies. I mean, this is going to affect people. Of course, you have the innocent bystanders that get caught up in these these laws, and specifically in New Jersey, adult smokers aged 19 and 20 who are currently smoking, they can step across the border to Pennsylvania, New York State, or um, we don't really share a border with Delaware, but we're close. Delaware <laughs> and Maryland um, are close by. So, uh, you know, it, it's... Yeah, you know, you're you're taking away tools and options from these people, and uh, and again, just like the the C or the the, the CEI lawsuit mm -hmm. um, against the Department of Transportation, perpetuating that lie that these products are just as dangerous as smoking, yeah. um, and so uh, it's it's a big disappointment that uh, Chris Christie and of course a Republican governor has uh signed this bill into law um and you know it and it, it's even more i guess i hate to use the word shocking because i don't yeah. know if that accurately describes how i feel about this right um I, disappointing is probably the best way to phrase any of this but it, it is extremely disappointing to have a, a governor who has been you know his pet project has been I don't want to say pet project, a big project of his, a big priority of his has been to, uh, to meet the opioid crisis head on. And I, I don't know if I'm just sort of gooey for the fact that, that it's a, a different campaign, but in New Jersey, we have these advertisements about 
you know, a state run rehabilitation and support uh, project and, and a program. And the, the ads are not, this is your brain on drugs. The, they're not, they're not vilifying people. They're not shaming people. It is, they're not scaring people. It's very simply, you know, if you have a problem and, and you need help, the, there is support available for you and, and you, you can do this and we're here to help. Um, it's not judgmental. It opens There's a testimonial young woman who, you know, she started out on prescription drugs and it progressed to heroin use and her mm-hmm. life became unmanageable and she was able to find help. Right. And that's, the way that message is delivered is very important. And Chris Christie has done that. And I, I am looking forward to seeing results of that program. And, um, and I, I hope it's helping lots of people because um, obviously this is a big thing, but to go from that to everything containing nicotine is bad. And we have to start, you know, we, we've got to, we've got to enact this creeping prohibition um, is clearly there is a disconnect sure. and, and it's very, very disappointing to see. Yeah. So, I mean, more so than California, you know, California, you just expect them to be idiots. Um, <laughs> but for a governor who has been pushing for harm reduction in the area of the opioid crisis to then turn around but, and do this is, is. But I think those people just don't see the opioid crisis and tobacco as being the same thing. And yet, if you ask any of these people, you ask drug addicts, you ask IV drug users, what's the hardest drug to quit? They will all pretty much tell you, smoke it. It's the hardest thing they've ever quit. Yeah, and I think because people don't, I, I, I think it's a crisis of, of people not having enough information about why it's hard to quit. Mm-hmm. The, the, the anti-smoking activists, which, by the way, uh, going forward, I want to make sure that we're making that distinction between anti-smoking activists and real public health experts. Okay. Um, sure. I, I saw Carl had posted up a tweet. Um, I, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but uh, very emphatically made that distinction that anti-smoking activists who are sort of harm reduction deniers um, are, are, they are not, they should not be referenced as public health experts. Um, well, no, very... and, and I believe he was referencing a, a recent post on his blog as well, <clears throat> which was a quite good read about yeah. one of those sort of folks. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the anti-smoking activists have basically traded on They've, they've been trafficking in fear and misinformation about nicotine for years. And it helps them for, to, to foster that misunderstanding for, uh, with people. You know, nicotine does not have magical properties. Actually, no drug on the planet has magical properties. You don't do, you don't smoke your first cigarette and become addicted for life. That's why you have a difference between that's why survey studies, you know, surveys need to ask that question and make the distinction between past 30 day use versus everyday use right. or, you know, past week use, what, you know, whatever it is. 
uh, because you don't smoke your first cigarette and become magically addicted. You don't do your first shot of heroin and become magically addicted. You don't do a couple lines off of the back of a toilet at a club and become magically hooked on cocaine. There are oh, so many other factors that are involved in that. Yeah, there, there and, are. And it, it really has a lot to do with, you well, know, what, mm-hmm. where, where you are in your life, what your mm-hmm. emotional state is, what kind of community support you have, how, how your job is going. How yeah. isolated are you from the rest of society? And yeah. what, what the anti-smoking activists seem to want to do is to take smokers and vapors and completely alienate them from the rest of society because, hey, they need a scapegoat. And, and this is ridiculous and it has to stop. We're people, damn it. We're all people. Yeah, I, people deserve a lot more dignity and respect than what we're getting from tobacco control and um and and certainly getting to that point we believe involves empowering people with information and options um so uh so yeah you know tobacco 21 is is anathema to that and um yeah just deeply disappointed in governor christie so um, so you, you weren't disappointed with the beach thing, but you were disappointed with this. Uh, the beach thing is stupid, and <laughs> wait, that was—I might, maybe I missed something. Um, uh, prohibiting use on beaches. No, no, uh, was I'm talking, again. I'm oh, you about. mean? Oh, you're talking about Chris Christie at the beach? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, you know, whatever. He's the governor. I, I, I don't know, like, the whole story, but the way he put it was like, I'm the governor. I can go there. Like, <laughs> no, it's the it's July 4th. I planned this trip. And it's not like he needs special access to the beach. He's the governor. It's his it's part of the deal, right? Um, I think that people just took the opportunity to make him look like a horrible person and, you know, whatever that's worth. I, you know, I don't care. It's it is funny. I mean, like while he was being like the pictures were being shot by a drone, I think he said something like he you know he looked up and he knew he looked right at it. He was like, I know, <laughs> like I know this is where this is going. So you know, he knew he knew he was going to get called out for it. I thought that the the Photoshop effort afterwards was quite entertaining, um, and I'm really glad that I'm really glad that Christie went to the beach on the July Fourth holiday. Great, um, you know, and and he. He said it many times. It was it was the legislature's responsibility to pass a budget. He can't sign a bill that's not in front of you. So um, I don't know how this turned into me defending Chris Christie and then there's a <laughs> budget, but you know, whatever. So no, I was not outraged about Christie going to the beach. I don't care what he does in his free time. I was kidding. Um, I was kidding. Oh, okay. I was just saying you're you're. I understand you're mad over a completely different thing and it's not mad. It's just disappointed over a completely different thing. And I know I'm, I'm mad. I'm outraged. I am, I am thoroughly angry. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, this is, this is the third state and we're on the, the other coast, you know, we've got Hawaii, California, and now New Jersey. Um, and this just emboldens tobacco 21 activists to be like, see, look, New Jersey did it to everybody's doing it, man. Um, so yeah, they're going to employ their peer pressure tactics as well, despite the, you know, their lack of evidence and peer pressure tactics are going to, you know, we'll see a a more uptick in in adoption at the local level. Um, 
which by the way, Minnesota is rolling right along. Um, I am desperately trying to get to a point where I'm working up an engagement on that. But uh, anyway. It seems like many other things pop up every week. Every day. Every day, yeah. You're very busy. Yeah. Um, And actually, I guess in the past week, uh, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, Delaware uh, passed a five cent per milliliter tax. Um, for all intents and purposes, this was negotiated down. I, I can't remember what the proposal was in the budget. I think it might have been 40% wholesale in the budget. Um, but there was a rather large tax that was proposed as part of the state's budget. And wow. um, that was uh, stripped out and negotiated down to five cents per milliliter. So okay. um, on 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 paper, it looks like a loss. But uh, knowing the kind of behind the scenes story, uh, this could have turned out much worse, and okay. uh, it is effectively um, not that bad. I, I stopped. I stopped myself from saying a win um, because it really isn't a win. An infinity tax, an infinity percent increase in the tax on vapor is not a win. No. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I don't have an effective date of that. I assume probably within the next six months. So. There's that Delaware. Um, so, have I covered all of the horrible news of the week? I think maybe. There's still time left in the day, so who knows? <laughs> um, it's still three thirty in California. <laughs> Plenty of nonsense can happen. Um, but uh, yeah, so to end on a good note. Okay. Good note. I spent this week in. Washington, D.C., um, the Vapor Technology Association, VTA, had their conference, and um, it, was at, it was at the Trump International Hotel right there on Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, and I got I to tell you, <laughs> no matter what you think about the president, the staff, uh-huh. the staff at that hotel are very deserving of praise. Um, they... Uh, I, I didn't, we didn't stay there because it costs an arm and a leg and you're first born to stay there. Um, <laughs> but uh, just attending the conference, uh, you know, there were, there was food, there was beverage um, and there were, you know, staff helping out with actually running the event, uh, making sure people would, you know, get back into the room when they needed to be. Um, nice. Every, every detail was, uh, uh, taken into account and they did an excellent job um even in kind of the surround the restaurants surrounding the area the staff were very attentive and very polite and very professional so um uh, again no matter what you think of the president uh high praise to the staff at the trump international uh and it is actually a very beautiful hotel so uh if you're in dc uh i strongly recommend just sort of walking in and walking around the lobby. You don't have to buy one of the drinks. I actually got um, some non-alcoholic. Uh, I think it, I don't know if it was ginger ale or some mint, like a non-alcoholic mint julep. I can't remember what I got, uh, but it was extremely sweet and $13. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's very pricey, but uh, the, the lobby of the hotel is, it's actually a very social environment, which is, very interesting most lobbies of hotels are sort of like 
you know, road weary people waiting for their room and nobody really hangs out there. Um, but this is, is very nice. So enough gushing about the Trump international hotel. How was the event? (laughs) Um, the event was great and I'm not going to give away lots of information. Obviously this is something that, that attendees needed to pay for. Um, but, uh, there was a full jam packed day of content and, um, you know, we heard from Senator Ron Johnson in the morning, he was a keynote speaker. Um, there was lots of, uh, I assume lots of good information to manufacturers that was on one, one side of the, the one sort of one of the conference rooms. Uh, I was on the state and local issues side, uh, and had the pleasure of being on a panel with, James Jarvis from Ohio and uh, Tony Abood, the executive director of VTA. Awesome. And uh, talking about, uh, you know, some of the, my, my focus was mainly on, you know, a couple of things that, that businesses can do to engage their customers and also kind of highlighting uh, a bit of the challenges that, that we have in terms of actually getting people engaged and why, mm-hmm. you know, why we don't, uh, why we don't see more engagement at the local level. Um, and, and I, I had actually had a, had a series of slides kind of prepping people for what you might find when you go to look at your, your city's website. Mm-hmm. Um, they range from very useful to very horrible. Um, <laughs> and so I, I kind of wanted to point that out to folks so that they're prepared. Um, and also, you know, I got to I got to once again, I don't know if I've said uh, enough glowing things about the folks in Ohio, but, um, James's presentation was very good. And of course, um, you know, they have their own, a lot of, a lot of their work has been done at the state level. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're doing what they can to engage people at the local level too. Uh, awesome. I know the Columbus, Columbus city council, I believe Columbus enacted a tobacco 21. I can't remember if it was tobacco 21 or an indoor vaping ban. Um, but, uh, you know, they were, they were working on that issue as well. And, uh, certainly every reason to believe that, that those policies will be introduced in municipalities throughout the state of Ohio. Um, So uh, OHVTA is uh, in a good position, at least in terms of of their leadership and active members to get out there and get people engaged. Um, And so uh, kudos once again to the Ohio Vapor Trade Association um, for for the work that they're doing. Um, And then uh let's see uh we had a reception after all was done um i will say that duncan hunter showed up at the reception um just sort of dropped by to say hi and uh that's all i'll say about that and um it was a good it was a good time i got to hang out with some folks that i've only sort of corresponded with or um, don't get to see that much of. So, um, and then, uh, on, on Wednesday was the Hill day, uh, call it what you want. The, the fly in, um, lobby day, uh, whatever. Um, and, uh, we, uh, broke up into groups and I had the pleasure of walking around with a young man from, uh, New Hampshire, Okay. Uh, and went to a couple meetings with him. I also, uh, um, Arno Dumas Durali, uh, from New York was part of my group. Okay. And, 
So uh, I do. I was not able to go with him. There was a conflict in the schedule. I was not able to go with him to his meeting with staff from uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Kristen uh, Gillibrand's office. Uh, But uh, he said that went well. And the theme that we all kind of discovered was that, uh, first of all, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids has visited everybody and they have talked about flavors and um, that a lot of staff seemed to be in the dark about vaping. Uh, And I actually had a conversation with someone earlier today, and it it seems that the turnover rate in in congressional offices among staff is actually Mm -hmm. pretty high. Um, Staff are there for a few months, maybe six months, and then they move on to the next opportunity. Um, So uh, uh, it is actually important that we are continually contacting uh, congressmen about this issue because uh, we may be reaching new people every several months. Um, And uh, I had meetings with uh, my uh, representative, Albie Osiris. Actually, we we had to meet out in the hallway with one of his staff. um, (laughs) And she was, uh, again, very interested in... um, you know, the, uh, I, I believe it was the, the kind of the flavors angle and how the role that flavors play and uh, the public health uh, aspect of, 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 of a harm reduction strategy and, and vaping right. being part of that. Um, and she was another one that had heard from the campaign. Um, and I met with uh, someone from uh, Cory Booker's office. Okay. Uh, and I met with someone from... Uh, uh, Senator Menendez's office. Okay. Uh, and Senator Menendez, as you may or may not know, is, uh, he's a cigar guy Mm -hmm. and he is supportive of exempting premium cigars from the FDA regulation, Sure. but has not taken a position on, on vapor products. And that was, that was sort of the meat of our discussion was, you know, how, you know, he's good on cigars, but hasn't quite found a way to, to bring vaping under his, you know, position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I spoke about, you know, the fact that, you know, these products are sold in specialty vapor stores and, um, you know, it's not, it's, you know, you know, uh, you don't walk into a vape shop and see things covered in wood paneling and whatnot, <laughs> but uh, it is very much like walking into a cigar shop or especially mm-hmm. a tobacco shop. Uh, in that, um, you know, you have higher, higher end products that are for sale there. And, um, so there should be some consideration given to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep, I had, uh, had a string of, of, of good meetings and actually one of the, I posted this up on Facebook, uh, that the staff member that we met with, uh, and I'm sorry, I forget which one it was. She's not my, uh, Carol Shea Porter from New Hampshire in the first district. Um, her, the staffer that we met with actually vapes. Awesome. So he was totally, we're, I mean, the joke is that like, he may not have actually been a staffer. He might've just been an intern and they were like, Hey, you vape, you have to talk to the vapor people. You're getting promoted today. <laughs> um, so at, I mean, either way, like it was great to talk to him and I hope the promotion sticks and, um, and he's getting more money. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's always good to find, you know, allies in the office. 
Yeah. Um, so that, that conversation went swimmingly and I encouraged him to join Casa. Good. Yeah. Good, good. good. Um, so it was a good day. I had uh, fun, I guess. It was 90 <laughs> some degrees outside. So I, it's hard I to say fun, fun. I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, it, there couldn't be a better event for you, Alex. You're all interested in government. Yeah, no, it was great. Actually, by the time we got back to um, the Hart off Senate office building, um, there were protesters inside uh, demanding access to health care. And that was that was very interesting, actually. I mean, most of the time, you know, I think of pro when, I, when, anybody, when anybody says demonstration in D.C., I think they're out in the streets. Um, mm -hmm. But no, these people actually went in the building and were standing outside of offices. They had signs. They were chanting. Uh, there were people being arrested. Wow. Um, and you know, this, the staffers from other offices, it's, it's got a big open area in the center. Mm -hmm. And so Perfect. staff, you can see staffers kind of walking out to the edge and looking across the way, at, you know, what's this commotion going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was, it was a very interesting scene and I'm glad to have kind of walked through it and experienced that. Yeah. yeah. But, well, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's awesome. It's always good to see the participatory process in action and to see it firsthand is it's different than you think it will be. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I would, I would encourage people, um, you know, it, one of the things is, um, you know, if you're ever in your state capital, uh, mm -hmm. if you're ever in DC, make a call to your, your lawmaker's office and, and try to schedule a meeting. Right. Um, and uh, in, in some cases, when we've done things in Pennsylvania, um, I know that folks, you know, didn't have meetings, but they'll, they'll, you just walk into offices and say, hey, I'm here today. I'd, I'd love to sit down and talk to somebody about my issue. Um, oftentimes you can get that meeting. Uh, and I, I will also say to anybody who's kind of, um, you know, shy about it, um, Staff, staff are actually professionally friendly mm -hmm. to constituents. Yeah. Um, I, I found all of the staff members to be friendly and at least gave the appearance of being receptive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that alone, whether or not it's just, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, if it's just professional courtesy and, you know, paid customer service, mm -hmm. uh, just being in the office and sitting there and having that conversation is actually kind of empowering. Um, I, I, I recommend that people don't walk out of those meetings thinking that, you know, you've just moved mountains and that you've actually been heard. No. Uh, but uh, I, I would say that, that for you personally taking that step and, and having those conversations uh, is, is, is very empowering and, and does feel good. Now right. I have to say, for me to have gone along with VTA and mm -hmm. have those meetings scheduled by their lobbying team, right. it's totally different. I have to, you know, there is there, I have to admit to having received a, a certain level of privilege in order right. to do that. The average person, the average voter is not going to just travel to DC and get a bunch of meetings. No, it's extremely difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your members of Congress are going to prioritize who they're talking to. Um, and so it can be very, very difficult to get 
a meeting, especially if you're talking about nicotine. <laughs> it's it's not easy. It's it's a lot easier if you go with a group um, than to just try and do this stuff by yourself. And I know that sounds terrible, but if you've at least got a local group you can go with, numbers speak to politicians. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's and I think, you know, to, to a certain extent, it's, it's organized and staff can be prepared and, um, you know, any kind of advance notice that people get, you know, I think that, that it has the potential to make them more receptive to whatever message and, and, and they walk away maybe with a better understanding of your issue. So mm -hmm. yeah, it, it serves a couple of purposes there. Yes. Yeah. But all around an excellent event, an excellent day on the Hill. Um, and I, I'm, I'm actually starting to really like DC. Oh, good God. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice town. I mean, you know, the city was, well, of course it is. 90% of the money in America lives there. <laughs> well, no, they all live in Virginia. There, Virginia. They live, in, they live in Virginia or Maryland. Right. Um, and then yeah. it works there is what I'm saying. Yeah. A different kind of place yeah so you would definitely go back again is what you're saying oh absolutely i mean yeah. i think it's actually it's 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 kind of kind of in my job description too so <laughs> um but uh yeah i i, I would uh, i would go back to visit i will go back to have meetings um i, I i've enjoyed all of my recent trips to dc and hope that we have many more okay awesome 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 does that seem like it's it for this week, Alex? I think so. I rushed to put my list of things together to talk about. Um, <laughs> Sorry, because I've been I've been trying I've, I've been trying to work on three separate statements all day long, and just recently started writing. So um, you need a you need a voice recorder. We need to get you like Dragon software, so you can just dictate and let the the system type it out for you. I don't mind the typing. It's the thinking about what to say and trying not to say stupid things. That's really difficult. So even if I was doing it with my mouth, you know, I'd still run into that problem. <laughs> oh, I think you're probably more successful at it than I would be. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got that going for you. That's a good thing. And well, you know what? They say everything that happens to a successful business or corporation or to a successful entity that is lobbying happens when you have the right people in the right places. And I couldn't imagine anybody else doing your job. You are the right person for the job. Aw, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the truth. So if that's it for this week, I will let you go back to trying to write three separate statements without making yourself too crazy. I'll let you know next week. <laughs> All right. Um, and just so you know, because I have to go to work at such an insanely early time tomorrow, this update won't be up until after work on Saturday, but it will be up on Saturday. So that'll be nice for once. Great. Um, you can get Kassah's updates by going to kassah.org and looking on the front page of the website for podcasts that will take you to our RSS feed where the podcasts show up in reverse descending order. Um, you can get Kassah's updates by going to SoundCloud 
and searching Kasa Media, and you will find our updates there. You can also get Kasa updates by going to the Apple Podcast Store and searching Kasa Media there, and our feed will come up, and you can import it into your favorite podcast organizer that will let you know whenever a new update comes out, so you will always know the latest about what Kasa is doing. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. Bye, Alex. See ya.